Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. T. Billy Joel, he wrote so many songs. Some fast, some slow, and some go on too long. All the hits and hidden gems, even the turds, it ends at Z, not with your friends Elon and Dave. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another big wrap-up show. This is the wrap-up of songs that begin with the letter T, part one. Yay. Oh, my goodness, it's been so long since we've all been together, I feel. Three months ago, we were able to talk and see what's going on with the listeners and me and Elon, so... We're very excited to bring you an old-fashioned wrap-up show today. Alan went to Billy Joel's favorite place to sing about. I went to another residency with our friend Gary Goldman. So let's get it together as we bring you the other T songs you don't know, listener feedback, and, of course, the meat of the wrap-up show today, these 12 William Joel songs that begin with the letter T. West 
of the Rio Grande. Now I drive my down Easter Alexa. And again, the creepified, I'm going to make love to you all night, whatever the hell that is. I, 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 if I never hear that lyric again, I'll be okay with the rest of my life. <laughs> it's funny because there's that lyric and then like in Temptation, the whole thing about it being about his baby daughter, but you think it's about Christy. Right. Well, all that stuff we'll get to in a couple of minutes because this is Billy Joel A to Z and we go in order. 
So just a couple of, I guess, house cleaning notes. You know, I hope every, uh, you know, Alon, I, since we've changed the quote format to just one day a week, because mostly because you're so busy. Well, all right. I'm a little busy too. <laughs> uh, and I like blaming it on you. Uh, but you do have a lot. Your comedy career is booming and taking off. So uh, we moved it to one week. I feel like, I feel like we're not like the audience isn't as involved I, I feel like we're missing something like we've, uh, but you, you've said that is not true and that it's there not, are comments and stuff. Yeah. More comments than ever. I, the YouTube has tons of comments for all these songs. So I think what we're doing now is we're giving people all this extra time instead of having just two days to comment on an episode, they have a full seven days. So people can really think about it, really listen to the songs. <laughs> well, it is true. We, we put out, you know, hour long episodes. So I guess it's okay to do one, but don't you feel like we're letting everybody down for like a, cause we're Jewish. We can't help ourselves feel guilty. I think to make up for this, when we get to the, uh, to the use, we should do like four episodes per week. <laughs> Good idea. Right. Exactly. Right. When we get to the use, that'll be perfect. <laughs> but it is funny. Like, you know, we, you know, you and I, we see each other online. I was like, we do a lot of recordings. And because it just hasn't worked like this before we got to the essence, we've been doing wrap up after guest after wrap up and we haven't done one. And so I think that's what the issue is. We just haven't done a wrap up and just kind of talked about the podcast in itself besides a song or what we're doing or other Billy Joel stories that it just feels like we're lost, but we're not. This is the meat of the show. It just hasn't happened where we have like 24 songs in one letter which is also exciting. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like when we were talking yesterday about how we have 12 songs to talk about today, I was like, that can't be right. That's and that's the many. halfway point. That's the know? halfway point. It's crazy. So, so let me just mention one other thing before we move on to the uh, songs is Billy Joel came out with the live at Yankee Stadium movie, which was only available on Yom Kippur and the next date, which was a Sunday. The day he's playing at MSG. What what is that about? He puts it out for two dates, and one of them's the date he's playing live on a Sunday. Yeah, I didn't know that part of it. That's really bad planning. I mean, I know it's not just New York, but still, it's pretty uncool to put out a stadium concert for two days in a row. One is a Jewish holiday. You know, I mean, it, it, clearly he, he couldn't care less about New York. <laughs> because one's a Jewish holiday and one's the day he's playing live at the exact same time the movie is airing or, or showing, you know, while he's playing at MSG. I, that's that's very strange timing for me. Yeah. Not to mention, he did all this while I was in Italy. So that was really rude of him because you cannot find live at Yankee Stadium in Milan. You know, it's again, it's a bad coincidence because you and I would have gone to see the movie together. We probably would have done a show about it. Meanwhile, from what I've been told, the only difference between the movie and what you could get on dvd is they include an uptown girl <laughs> <laughs> uh billy just wanted to make fifty thousand extra bucks oh well you know him yeah he clearly doesn't put any effort or time i'll just tell you right now you know in going because i don't think we're doing any special episode we could but a lot and i didn't go you know i got to go to another residency with our friend gary goldman who has the same manager as billy joel so we had outstanding seats but I'll tell you, Alon, I mean, I really love Billy Joel. I love hearing him in concert. I love singing along with the tunes. There's just no difference to the concert. And the fact of the matter is, is if you're doing a residency, I mean, once in a while, you got to change it up. It's the same bits. I'm, say I'm saying 
maybe you could change up the song, but you're doing the same bits. Like when he does the innocent man thing, he's like, well, I hope I can hit the high notes. I mean, he's got to realize that the same people are coming to a lot of the shows, not every show, but there's definitely people coming every three months. And, you know, you're doing the same gags. It's, you know, he just puts no effort into it. Yeah, it's kind of like with comedy where like when you know that you have like friends who are going to come to multiple shows, you think in your mind, like, I better do some different bits because I know they just saw me a couple months ago doing these other bits. But Billy doesn't seem to care about that because he's thinking the overall. I mean, he knows, look, he's done this a million times. He knows what the fans want. He doesn't want to deviate. But we know what we want. We want to hear December song. (laughs) Of course. I will tell you this, though, uh, just as we begin, like I said, we're not going to do a standalone show on it. When I was there. It was kind of interesting. He played the guitar four times. I think, and he was doing something with his fingers. I think there was something wrong with his hands or his fingers, maybe a little arthritis or something, because it's very odd for Billy Joel to play the guitar four different times in a show. Yeah, right. And also, like, he probably didn't do, when we saw him a few months ago, he did Everybody Loves You Now, songs like that that are tough on the piano. Oh, good point. He didn't do any of those. He didn't do Summer Highland Falls. He didn't do Everybody Loves You Now. That's an excellent point, too. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he probably injured his hand shucking oysters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, there was clearly an issue. He opened with A Matter of Trust, you know, which is a guitar song and not a really great opener. But uh, the only difference that um, I noticed was he did No Man's Land. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think he's been playing it a little bit more lately, but it's still, I would still consider that a really deep cut to throw in there. It, it was a deep cut and I enjoyed it very much. It was really good. And I finally got video of uh, the crowd singing Mr. Cacciatore down on Sullivan Street because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I had this perfect view of the audience. And it is it to watch it on film and watch everybody again, as I said the last time we were together, singing Mr. Cacciatore down on Sullivan Street across from the medical center. And you're watching people sing along. If you just didn't know it was Billy Joel and you showed it to a kid, you'd be like, I don't understand. How does everybody know these weird lyrics? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so specific and obscure sounding. Yeah, it's really weird. But of course, it was uh, fun as always. And, you know, the, I again, I'll never understand the the Italian song, the Dorma. What's it called? The Nessun Dorma. Nessun Dorma thing. But I, I don't know why that is. And then but then you go into the. You know, what is that? A half hour of just awesomeness with uh, Piano Man and scenes from an Italian restaurant. Of course, the encore is always the same. We didn't start the fire. Uptown Girl. I'll tell you something. That Uptown Girl is terrific. And let's just start it off. I'll just start off with tell her about it. I, I need it. I need I want it back. I want him to do that song live ever since we've done it since we started talking about it i've been listening to it a little bit more i was really enjoying it i you know if uptown girl works why wouldn't tell her about it because uptown girl shouldn't work and shouldn't be an encore and yet the crowd loves it i love it tell her about it should be up there too it's i mean once in a while it's it's such a fun song right it's one of your biggest hits and it's up tempo it would be perfect for a live show so for Tell Her About It, obviously, there's a lot of love for this song, uh, but not from everybody. Burt Coast said he thinks of this as a song that went to number one, but isn't a number one. Like for him, it's just not that great. But he loves the video, of course, the videos. Yeah, but we, we were talking about the fact that because it was the first release from the album, it's like the River Dreams, you're waiting for a Billy Joel album. 
the first song's going to go high. And I yeah. think that's what he's talking about. Right. It's always going to get that little extra built-in bump because it's the song that's being promoted the most and everyone's anticipating it the most, but otherwise it doesn't really deserve it, he says. Now, we had mentioned that this Wembley version, there's a really good live version of this song that, they, that Billy Joel skips part of the bridge in it. Uh, B. Wisniewski pointed out that actually in that video, they just cut out part of it. Like he actually did sing it, but there were audio problems. So in the video, they just cut out that little piece where there was oh, a little glitch. Oh, that's interesting. Thank you for letting us know. Yeah. A couple of listeners pointed out how much they liked the parody on this song, which was the Lorena Bobbitt parody. Oh, I'm uh, so glad. I didn't think anybody was old enough to understand. <laughs> yeah, pe- people remember. And this is really nice. Super Dave Awesome said, Alon's Folly is going to be Alon's excellent call. You guys have really found your groove, and now we have all the the songs to look forward to. Is he... Oh, Alon's... Is he using an... Uh... A Seward's Folly example of uh, the the state of Alaska as an example? (laughs) I guess so, because like where else do you use the word folly ever besides Seward's Folly? Oh, that's good. Oh, that's a deep cut. (laughs) I can't believe you knew that. I can't believe I knew it either. (laughs) A guy who Uh, got a D in history at Ithaca College remembered Seward's Folly. (laughs) Do you want me to be honest of why I know it? Why? What TV show mentions it? It's from the movie Blast from the Past with Brandon Fraser <laughs> and Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> so embarrassing. Oh, my God. Yes. But remember, the guy who's teaching a class on that. Remember, So I guess it's all it's all coming around. Right. Because you're going to have a whole week on Alicia Silverstone's career after Clueless. Oh, you got that right. Excess baggage. <laughs> Batman and Robin. Uh, I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> Tell him you're in love. All right, let's move on to Tell Them You're in Love, Dave Dreska's new favorite song. (laughs) I was listening back, and when you said Benny Mardonis into the night, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then, you know, we played it, but I played it after the fact. I was like, oh, my God, I know this song. I always thought that was Steve Perry. Oh, yeah, it kind of has that sort of vibe to it. That song must have been on the radio every day. I didn't realize... When you say, I didn't remember the guy's name who did it. It's so weird to have a song in your head and you have no idea who sings it. Although I guess maybe that's not weird. It's just for me or you, it's weird because we like music. So you think we'd know, but I I never heard of that guy, Benny Mardonis, my whole life. I think he was a one hit wonder, but that song actually was one of those songs where it charted twice many years apart. Like it's from 1980, but then it charted again in the late 80s. Oh, that's interesting. Also, we played the only flame in town. I think I got the name of the song wrong. I think I, was, I think I called the only girl in town or something. So we played the Elvis Costello, Daryl Hall, the only flame in town. I did not know that that song, and I hope you liked it when we played it, because I, I really enjoyed it. And the video is really fun, too, if you ever get to see it. I did not realize that song is off Elvis's greatest hits album. And there we go. Another example. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. The, the, the video is hilarious. It's win a date with Elvis Costello and the attractions and all the attractions get get laid. And uh, it's just uh, I don't know whether you'd make that video today, but it's a, a real fun video for a guy that's not that fun. <laughs> it sounds like a Billy Joel video concept. It does. I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. But again, you know, it's the 80s and. You know, I guess people were making funny ones and serious ones. And even the serious guys were, well, except for Bruce Springsteen, which is, I guess, why I got a problem with this guy. He never, he never has any fun. 
You gotta have fun mm-hmm. once in a blue moon. I mean, you could do Allentown, but then you you know you, then you could do uh, surprises. No, that's not it. What what is the one? Uh, the Christmas tree. Uh, she's right on time. She's right on time. Why can't you do both? Right. So our listeners with tell them you're in love. We're not really with you on this song so what? much. Some hey, of I'm them like my the- trick ear must have been going. How could that? I figured that would be the case. Well, like so, uh, Italian Stallion Al said he likes the melody in the opening verse. He finds the rest of the lyrics to be sophomoric. Oh, yeah, I get that. I'm just talking about G- the melody. Mostly. Right. Gira Sola Sola Gira uh, loves the song. I think she was saying similar to you. Like, she doesn't care about the lyrics. She's like I a melody her. person. Nick R. Good had a really a flaming indictment of this song. The <laughs> song is awful. He said he didn't think it was possible to dislike a Billy Joel song. It feels like a bad Hall and Oates song. He was really pissed off with your opinion about this. And he was like, Dave roasted lullaby, but he wants yeah. to put this song on the hidden gems. Yeah, hey, he's got a case. He's absolutely right. I know you guys love lullaby, and I know you hate that I hate it. And uh, you're absolutely right. This is a stupid song. And uh, what, what do you want me to do? This is the this is a song that a guy who hates lullaby would like. I'm an idiot. Yeah, There's yeah. no other reason. I I get it. I know it. I know it's not <laughs> a good song. I what am I going to do? This is my musical stupid taste. Yeah, but look, you were kind of vindicated because then Nick, after that comment, left another comment later saying. Uh, that he listened to the song a few more times and it's not as bad as he thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's just not. And it really, I mean, I mean, Jesus, it really sounds like a Hall and Oates song, which is why I think I like it. <laughs> I don't know. You know, a, a good left, a, a lost Hall and Oates song. Yeah, you can't go wrong. It's like we were talking about that song. I forget what it was from the 90s that everyone thought was a Billy Joel song, but it was somebody else. Do you remember, remember what that was? No. Oh, man, I can't remember. This is and the A's or B's. We were talking about this. And it's kind of like that sort of thing where that's like, like five hey, years like ago. Song. <laughs> I know it was a long time ago. She said, this driving me crazy. So temptation. Mm. Everyone was surprised, by the way. Everyone was saying like, whoa, I, I didn't know this before, that it was really about Alexa. Temptation was kind of a fan favorite. A lot of comments were talking about how they loved it. Jeff Hutchinson said he loves the song. He calls BS on the rankings because obviously Bananos didn't like it or neither did we really. Um, right, I was going to say we haven't ranked anything yet, right? So he's blaming Bananos. Good. good yeah, good. yeah. Glenn Fug, uh puts this in his top 20 and he was yelling at the podcast because of the rankings. He was so upset that that this was not a loved song. Isn't Dean that the Nisky. best when people get that upset? That's what that's a quality podcast, folks. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to rile you up by telling you what Glenn Gamboa thinks about different songs. <laughs> the guy from Long Island who doesn't exist anymore. He's like very angry at temptation. Yeah. And then we got two comments that were like complete opposites. We had like Nick R. Good, who said he loved the up-tempo demo better than the studio version. And then Autumn B. Melody said she loves the studio version and hates the demo. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I think I like the demo better. And really, this, I'm going to say, it will probably end up very low in our T rankings for me. I still don't like it. Same. Yeah. There's so much better stuff out there. Sorry, Hutchinson. I think that's his name, right? (laughs) Yeah. I love that name. That's why I like saying it. Sounds like the bully in a high school movie from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it does. I heard Hutchinson was going to be there tomorrow. Hutchinson said he's going to cream you. <laughs> well, the next one is that's not our that's not our style. That's not me and Alon don't care for that. So, no, that's not our style. That's not, no, that's not her style. 
which uh, is kind of the opposite of temptation for me. I enjoy that song. Uh, well, I guess when I was listening back, uh, it we were taught. I was talking about how one of the piano pieces in it sounded like the firm soundtrack. It turns out that it was, it was Dave Grusin. Oh, I said, maybe he did. I couldn't remember. And we've been talking about him a lot who did the firm soundtrack. And remember he worked with Billy in the, what's the 52nd street one with the horns. Half a mile Half away. Mile away. Right, so he's worked with uh, Dave Grusin before, and there's a lot of similarity to that firm soundtrack and him, and you know. But Dave Grusin, you know, again, I've been pointing out how great he was and big influence for me. But I know a lot of people don't know who he is now, but he's a soundtrack guy. Yeah, I guess you were spot on with that. Uh, another thing that a listener pointed out: Burt Coast said that the intro to the song reminds him of the Roseanne theme song. Oh God, the harmonica! Do you yeah. know I hate that Roseanne theme song so much. Sometimes I'll be watching Frasier at night, and Roseanne comes in right after, and I'm just watching the end credits because Frasier always had a really funny ending, you know, just like kind of a like a sketch with no words during the music. So I always watch the end, and then all of a sudden, if I don't change the channel fast enough, I get the willies from hearing that stupid <laughs> harmonica. That's why you hate harmonica. I think that now we've gotten to the, the heart of it is that you just hate that Roseanne theme song. No, it's not just that. Before just, that even. Harmonica just does not do it for me. I really dislike it. Well, speaking of things that people like a lot, everyone was really into your Broadway version of That's Not Her Style. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Glenn Fug wants an entire campy Broadway show full of Billy Joel songs in your style. <laughs> Italian Sally and Al said Dave's version rocks. Oh, thank you. And B. Wisniewski said, it's sad when Dave can perform your song better than you can. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to tell you this thing about when Gary and I went to see Billy Joel. He goes, "Um, hey, what do you think the gay version of an all Billy Joel cover band would be called? And I don't know, without thing, I just go, (laughs) turnstile. And we laughed about that for weeks. <laughs> he just keeps texting me turnstiles with exclamation points, you know. But I know it's in the voice of Paul Lynn. <laughs> it's gotta be, yeah. Otherwise, it's not gay at all. <laughs> That's not her style. The word spread of Billy the Kid. Let's move on to the ballad of Billy the Kid, our first the song, which was pretty oh, exciting. Right. Yeah, it was cool to to, uh, to start the what we knew was going to be a long journey into the vos. Uh We had a few nice comments on this one. Uh, we had talked about oh, you had mentioned like who writes a country song about Long Island, which is like so weird, right? <laughs> right. And uh, Steve J. Rogers found another example. He said Alan Jackson has a song called "Gone Country," which mentions Long Island. That's just because he's just trying to kiss Billy Joel's ass because he wants to get that Garth Brooks treatment. That's what it is. <laughs> so obvious. Um, and Max Rivera pointed out that on the songs in the attic version, it, this song was not actually performed at the live show at MSG, as even though that's what the liner notes say. It was done during a rehearsal and the audience was dubbed over. Oh, my God. You know, uh, now I kind of remember seeing his thing. And I said, I guess we'll talk about what is that? Why, why are we duped on the songs in the attic album? That's nuts. I, how does he know that? Because there, you could find on YouTube the unoverdubbed version, and it's just, you know, without all that audience cheering. Wow, that is a scam. That ain't cool. That's not cool at all. See, that's one of the ones where you should have just put something else on it instead of if they, if it didn't come out the right way. What are you doing? 
Why is it so necessary to put in the ballot ability kit on this if it didn't work out the right way? Well, because look, his whole concept was to do songs that people didn't really know so well from his earlier career. And this is one of his best songs. We know he did other songs that they didn't know and he didn't end up putting it on the album. Yeah. Just saying. It's all a sham. Well, I'm on the down Easter Alexa and I'm cruising through Black Island Sound. So the down Easter Alexa which is everybody's favorite. I don't know what the comments were. I, in fact, if I remember correctly, that's the one I kept going to check to see what people liked. And I saw so little comments. Yeah, I was very actually, upset one, about that. That's why you have this perception. This one song didn't have a lot of comments, unlike all the other songs here. Yeah, and then I was like, oh my God, because we cut it down to once a week, everybody's angry or something. I was so surprised. Uh, it's such a good song. So, so get this, right? I've been going to this this fisherman's bar uh, on Thursdays in New Jersey, they open at seven in the morning for the fishermen who have just come off like working at five in the morning or something. Uh, we call them Baymen. Oh, right. Sorry. And my father before him and my, his father <laughs> before him. Uh, so I've been going to this place called Kelly's down the Jersey shore, in Neptune, New Jersey. That's where they have the gobbler sandwich, which is a basically a Thanksgiving sandwich that is just covered with cheese. It's covered with cheese so much. They cover the plate. And I ate some of the plate and I didn't realize it was uh, a plate. <laughs> I felt like Charlie Chaplin. I was <laughs> eating a shoe, but uh, anything covered in cheese. But anyway, this place does every time I go there and it's weird because it's foggy there. So that song's in my head uh-huh. every time I'm there. What a great song, though. And now I finally saw him do it in concert. I didn't go to the bathroom. And although it's not a sing along song, I think the crowd really liked it a lot. It's good that we have visual uh, evidence now because we before we had only heard it in a bathroom. Well, you know what was missing from it, Alon, and this is a, a serious issue, is what we were talking about when he played that song on Saturday Night Live and how powerful it was while he's playing the accordion and what a difference it made while we watched him play the accordion. No one plays the accordion on stage, and I think it's lacking and the song lacks. I feel you need somebody, you know, they just do it with the re- the keyboard sounds. Yeah. And I feel like just anybody, not it doesn't have to be him, you know, Crystal coming in, whatever, whoever it is, if it's Dave Rose. Get, get Weird Al to show up. Weird Al Oh, my it. God. Wouldn't that be terrific? So, but anybody playing it in the full force really gives it. And, you know, you're doing a live show. Why you don't have any money to bring in an accordion player to just, you know, I, I just feel there's ways to up the show uh when it's live especially if you're doing it once a month and i really believe it was missing the power of i can't believe i'm going to say it the stupid accordion right or you know have the whole band dress up like the gorton's fisherman <laughs> everyone gets well, yellow know, he, slack what yellow uh, raincoats and, well the whole uh, thing i was the whole time i'm watching the concert i'm thinking of mark rivera and how he was into the well, didn't he come in with a bag of groceries and stuff they're missing the fun that they used to have. Now, I understand they're in their hundreds, so I guess that just goes out the window. But it seems easy to just get a couple people, like you say, like doing some sketches. In fact, we should bring that up. If we get a chance, we'd be like, dude, let us be the Gordon's Fisherman when you're doing the Down East. Well, he probably doesn't want to make fun of that song. But there's a whole bunch of songs that we could have like a little area where we could do like uh, costumes and sketches like the gay yeah. caballeros or something. I think it's nice. You're doing a goddamn stage show. I know everybody's into the songs, but you know, I mean, why, why not 
go for it all. You're Billy Joel. You're a fun guy. Right. It's like how some concerts will have like the sign language interpreter off to the side. We could kind right. of be that. Like we'll be pantomiming and doing fun things. Exactly. So, that, so if someone there is hard of hearing, they can just look at us and laugh and understand what song it is. I agree a hundred percent on that. Okay, we'll get we'll get word out. Talk to uh, Gary Gullman's manager to spread the word. Got it. So the next song is The Entertainer. And during this episode, um, I, you know, I did my parody about AC Slater, which was good. <laughs> but then you mentioned The Terminator. And I was like, oh, I should have thought of that. That would have been really good. And I promised that I would do a, uh, a The Terminator for the wrap up show. So I'm going to do that now. OK, great. All right. I am the Terminator and killing is my job. I say I'll be back later and hasta la vista. At first I was a bad guy, but now I'm here to save a boy named John and his crazy mom. And when the world's unfucked, I'll self-destruct to prevent the judgment day. Hey now. That Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever. Until you are dead. Oh, that was awesome. Wow. Oh, you you put in all the lines. Well done. Best one ever. (laughs) Uh, I guess you took some time writing that one. So it wasn't just a a last minute thought. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let's pretend that I just spent the last eight weeks since that episode came out perfecting those six verses. Oh, that sounds good. I like all the uh, fast talk. That's good. You hit all the all the notes. Excellent. So um, as far as comments go on this one, um, there were some thoughts about the whole best years of my lifeline, which like I thought was him being kind of negative. Right. And you thought it was a totally positive feeling. Uh, right. I thought it was before you become famous. And this was a pop. Yes, exactly. And he was like so happy. Like I spent the best years of my life on this song. And uh, right. So Italian Stallion Al thought that he was with me on this, where he felt like this was always having a negative connotation that he worked so hard on this song. And then the record label like screwed it up. But now that he's been re-listening, he says he's not sure. He feels like the way Billy says the line in the studio version doesn't really imply anything negative. But in the live versions, he does hear that negativity. Well, after you mentioned it, you know, I definitely took a second look to it. It, You know, the entire life that I've been listening to that, I always thought it was that. But then when you bring up uh, another opinion, I mean, that's the best part of the show. You know, I rethink. So, yeah. again, I don't know. For sure. I'd like to think my version just because it's like kind of happier, I guess. But uh, yeah, but makes so much sense. He's so angry about the 305. I don't know why, since we love the 305. It makes us happy. (laughs) We love 305. Now, Cinema Craptaculous said he's always wondered what song is it that Billy's talking about that he spent the best years of his life writing? He says, was it Piano Man or was it December Song? (laughs) <laughs> it's hard to say it's hard to, really hard a tough to one. say it's a toss yeah. up it's a toss up he was so mad that the label cut down december song he said don't even release it <laughs> it's been ruined it's so obvious that's the answer <laughs> uh, this song had a um a children who need booze misheard <laughs> lyrics moment because bu2 believe said that they always thought that it was can of beer and not can of beans oh well that makes sense to me i probably would have thought that too yeah, like another like, can of beer. Yeah, why not? 
if you don't know the lyrics, I would have thought that too. I mean, I, you know, we, when we first heard it, we weren't going food shopping. We were too young. So, you know, it makes sense that a rock star would say a can of beer instead of a can of beans. I don't know how much a can of beans was when I first heard this song. <laughs> yeah. I want that discount beer that's in the back rack. Yeah. <laughs> Milwaukee's best. Woo. Then I'm gone with the wind and I won't be seen again till that great suburban showdown in the sky. All right. So the next song was the great suburban showdown. We liked the song. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I was at, when again when I was talking about coming home. I was referring to coming home from college because everyone experiences that. You know, if you're not being in a band and leaving, you know that's the experience you talk about coming home. But this is the the, the Billy Joel crowd gets that the Springsteen crowd never goes to college, so <laughs> you know they you can only experience this for the college part. You know, unless you're in a band. Yeah. So it makes sense to us. Yeah. And a lot of the comments were saying how relatable this was. Like everyone has that feeling of like going back home to the small town or whatever. And like you've changed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as for the clarinet at the beginning, once you said it, I realized, I guess it was because I, 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 I don't know. I guess I was thinking of the Woody Allen movies because then he ends up playing Rhapsody in Blue, which is the theme to Manhattan. You know, in the live yeah. version. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and that's so weird that it's a clarinet. And then I was saying, because I, I didn't I didn't know it was a clarinet, right? That's what the problem was. No, no, no. So this this was a big controversy in the comments because uh, we said it was a clarinet. That was our guess. Oh. And Chris Sirico clarified, because he used to play saxophone or does play saxophone. He said that what we've been hearing is the soprano sax. Oh. Not a clarinet. And then he wrote, and with that, you've been Sirico'd. <laughs> Just out. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so it wasn't a clarinet; it's an alto sax, soprano sax, and then Dino Courtney added that the only wind instrument that we always get wrong is the soprano sax. Like whenever we're like, "What's what instrument is that?" The answer is always soprano sax. So from now on, we should just assume when we hear something we don't know, soprano sax. I I guess the reason is because when we're thinking of saxophone, we're just thinking of a saxophone, and we certainly know what a saxophone sounds like. So if you're not a musician, I mean, what is a soprano sax? What does it even look like? I guess I it looks like a clarinet. Yeah, it's that straight one. And that's weird because saxophones, I think, should always be that weird. S shape. Of course, the little J shape. Yeah. Yeah. It's not well, our fault. <laughs> right. We're not smart people. We're like Forrest Gump. I am not a smart man, Stupid but I do people. know what a soprano sax is. <laughs> so wait. So the Great Suburban Showdown, actually, like a lot of people liked it a lot. Uh, Gira Sola Sola Gira said it's in her top three. Uh, and she's lost all respect for Christopher Bananos, who hated the song. I put it on the hidden gems list. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was happy that it was there. Steve Hickman puts this in his top 20. And he said that having Paul Lauren on one of our live shows insert his name into that crabgrass line was a real thrill. Oh, I forgot about it. I mean, I didn't know which ones he was doing that to. That's cool. Yeah, I remember that's the first time I ever heard that song when he did it. And now yeah. uh, knowing it and really enjoying it and liking it, it's it's the best, you know, right. find, for Dave just got to find a new Billy Joel song. It's very exciting. Yeah. A, a new, really cool song that's so relatable, unlike Mr. Cacciatore. <laughs> exactly. Let's move on to the Great Wall of China. 
speaking of the movie Manhattan again, I was talking about the scene with the bricks and baseball bats and the satirical piece in the New York Times. And that's exactly what Billy, Billy did in a scathing satirical song. You know, like I, when I was talking about the scene from Manhattan, you know, where we, the, the Nazis are marching. And, but that's what he did. He made a, he actually, he did the thing that they do in the Woody Allen movie Manhattan. He made a satirical piece on, you know, it, but really should have gone to the guy's house with bricks and baseball bats. And, and we also must continue to acknowledge so people go over to Frank Weber's house with bricks and baseball bats. Uh, we, I mean, we don't, you know, just to fuck up his house, not his, himself. But we have to continue to acknowledge that he's ruined everything, that you're if a fan of this podcast or you're a fan of Billy Joel. Frank Weber is ironically to blame, not the other one. What's her name again? I try to put it out of my head. Uh, right. Because Elizabeth, Billy Joel Elizabeth. Still had a great career afterwards. After Frank, everybody said, goes done. Everybody goes through one, but then he had the double whammy and that guy just ended it and he should be brought up on some form of charges. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, I know Billy's really old now and everything, and it's probably really over. But I have this fantasy that like if something like if, you know, somehow he got convicted or something bad happened to the Webbers, like their house burned down or something, it just made Billy really happy. I feel like he'd write another a couple of songs and he put out, you know what? I feel like putting out a couple of songs. I'm in a great mood today. Hey, you're okay. Let's do easy money too. Yeah. Here's something for the funeral. Uh, uh. So the comments on Great Wall of China were generally positive. People seem to like this song. It's a good deep cut. It rocks. Super Dave Awesome said Bitter Joel is his favorite Joel. Oh, that's the way people say about me too. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I also, we were talking about the Empire Diner, which is so funny. All you can eat at the Empire Diner. When I was talking about Mary Jane Watson and Spider-Man 1, she works at the Empire Diner. They're oh. not just in front of it. She actually is coming out of work. Uh-huh. Whoa! So we should move on. The next song is a biggie, The Longest Time. When we played the two so in love version, I used the Timothy B. Schmidt version from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer that version to the original. And Don Henley is on the drums on that piece, as as and the guitar is Joe Walsh. And How the hell that happened? Well, because Timothy B. Schmidt is in the Eagles. Oh, you know, he, yeah. So it made sense, but it was basically uh, we basically just played it for Catalina. <laughs> I mean, that song was made for Catalina, our friend Catalina from Chile. Wait, did she say that's like her favorite song or something? She apparently has a tattoo of the Eagles on her body. Of she their worships faces? the Eagles. I guess she has a tattoo of Billy Joel. No, not of their face. I think of the Eagles <laughs> logo. Yeah. So, I mean, that song is perfect. If you are an Eagles fan, you got lucky, even though they had broken up, that they all appear. They all appear on the soundtrack to Fast Times of Ridgemont High solo and they were i didn't i never noticed that that's going to come up in your uh your college course i'm sure yes it will so this song obviously is like acapella ish right and so we had some people some of our listeners are either current or former acapella singers uh chris sirico was in an acapella group in college he said it was a great rewarding experience he says he views this song as true acapella because even though there's a little bit of music in it it doesn't really change fundamentally what the song sounds like yeah, I'm in full agreement. I mean, obviously, you know, the sticklers will say, what, what do we call it? Not faux acapella. It's called something else. 
Do you remember uh, the name? I forget the name. Yeah. Right. Uh, but that's just people being, you know, who can't, you know, we don't care. We're considering it acapella. Well, Bert you know, Coast cares. Oh, uh, he was in a well, barbershop. Sorry, we, I said you and me. Not you and me. Yeah, we don't care. But here's a stickler, Burt Coast, who for eight years sang in barbershop quartets and choruses. Um, and he he said the barbershop community. They have a community. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, I'm friends yeah. with Tom Shalou, and uh, <laughs> you know he's in one with Jimmy Fallon. There you go. <laughs> and he they said, they open for Billy Joel. Now that I mentioned Tom Shalou, Jimmy Fallon, I think it could be 80 miles. They went to Madison Square Garden and. I believe saying I'm a happy birthday one day together. Well, they should have sang this song, but at, I guess the barbershop. I guess they didn't sing this song because the barbershop community does not like it because it's not pure acapella and because they find it boring to sing. A lot of the parts are really kind of basic, I guess, not so much activity. Bad. It seemed like, like I said, in 2020, that was all anybody was doing at home was singing this song. Right. But I understand his point of view as well. Steve Hickman has a theory about the double takes in the videos. Oh, yeah. This is another one where it has it. He thinks that maybe Billy was trying to do like a trademark device, kind of like how Hitchcock always shows up in his own movies. <laughs> yeah, it's like a little Easter egg for everybody. Like, oh, there's a double take. Well, I think, you know, I mean, as much as I would say that's ridiculous, it's not. I mean, there is definitely something to saying that Billy Joe was trying to make a pattern in his videos. He goes, oh, we always do a double take in the video. I don't think he was saying this will be my signature moment, but it's very clear this is what we do in my videos because he ha- they're all different directors. So he's like, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you, we usually do a double take. Uh, the director's probably <laughs> like, what? Wait, what? What did I sign what up you, for? What do you mean, like a Mr. Roper? Well, not that, but... But so yes, silly. that, yes. So the Mexican connection is next. And God, I love this song. I am so glad that we found this song that I found it finally. It's, uh, you, you know, it's funny. Uh, he was playing the Mexican connection opening the show, but now he plays the natural. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the natural theme sounds like running on ice at the beginning. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. Like a twinkly noise. Yes. Yeah, you heard it before. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Isn't yeah. that interesting? That's really interesting. Well, sometimes he opens with running on ice. That would be a good combo, but I think lately he wouldn't do that, right? That's He just did it the day we saw Italian Stallion L. That was the op- Oh, man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I think he gets the idea when he's playing the natural. He's like, oh, next time we got to open with running on ice. And so I, I feel like it's in his head somehow because of the opening. Yeah. So apparently, according to Chris Casey Anderson, when uh, Billy Joel would play this song, The Mexican Connection, before a concert, even though it was a recording, oftentimes the band would start playing themselves near the end of it, right before they went into the first song. Oh, that makes sense. Little little warm-up action or something, because they can't help themselves. They're so dying to play. That's why you got to love musicians. They're really into it. Well, let's go with this last final song that we have before we continue our T songs and and continue the the songs. Alon's Folly, as it is now known, <laughs> has, um, you know, turned out truly to be Alaska. Hey, I'm glad we have that state now. You got people like Sarah Palin from that stuff. All right, I'm just kidding. But uh, The Night is Still Young, strange song off a of greatest hits album. I don't know how I, I feel like people felt kind of like we do. It's not awful. 
It's not great. It's not rememberable. Uh, I, I think I, I played the adult education uh, from the seven minute remix they have when we were playing this. I was listening to it back. I was like, yeah, this is uh, the adult education from the seven minute rewind. Adult, adult, adult. I know it sounded a little education, bit different. Education. You know, <laughs> it was a seven minute remix. That's a, from adult education. It's ridiculous. It's the dance version. The dance version of adult education. Folks, the 80s were a very strange time. That's all you have to say about that. <laughs> well, look, in general, people actually really do like this song quite a bit. And like B. Goldman said, it's one of those songs that he really enjoys when he's listening. And then right afterwards, he forgets that it exists. That that makes so B. Goldman said that that's there it is. You're absolutely right. When I'm listening to it and it's building whoa, and you're like, oh, you know what? This is good. And then you're absolutely it goes off and you're like, well, I guess I'll wash the dishes. <laughs> I'm not going around humming it when it's done. Yeah. Yeah. So except like, for except for oh my love to you. <laughs> gonna make can... love to you. <laughs> Keaton esque was like me. They had never heard this song. And a minute in, they were like, what the hell is this? But now Crazy, they like right? it. Yeah. <laughs> it takes I, a know, minute. And I was thinking, I, I when I was at the concert, I'm like, I, I wish you'd play this. I, I, I wouldn't mind hearing this live. I think I'd enjoy this and see with the, the voices and the backup singers singing. I, I think I I would enjoy it. Anything new would be good. And I mean, yeah, I got no man's land, but I want more. I want the Great Wall of China. I want the epic arena songs. I want them to give them a try. Yeah, I think we all agree with that. Someone who really likes this song is Frank Mercagliano, <laughs> who told us a very funny story. That for his junior prom in 1987, there was a vote between three songs to be like the song of the prom. And one of them was Stairway to Heaven. One of them was Forever Young. And one of them was The Night is Still Young. And he stuffed the ballot with 70 extra votes so that this became their class song. Oh, wow. Oh, you know, in this episode, you're, again, an example of like, what is a song from a greatest hits that became a big hit? Steve Hickman gave us another example. Abba's Fernando. Is that right? That's off a greatest hits album? Yeah. Oh, thanks for that uh, example. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Wow. Isn't that, that's what I said with that Elvis Costello song. I can't believe it that this is what we're going to talk about. The, you know, let's just let's go to the this is a good segue to the other T songs that there oh, are. Right. Yeah. OK, we didn't do that yet. Long episode, yeah. folks. Yeah, it's a long episode, but there's 24 fucking songs and it's, it's got to be. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were talking about making this three parts, but that's insane. But since it's now once a week, who cares? We have a lot to say. What do you want us to say? So the other T songs, we're going to start with. I have found and I don't know where I found it from. There is a song called The Bridge. I know the album, but apparently somewhere, somehow, there was a song called The Bridge. When you look online for the lyrics, it comes up as Billy the Kid. I don't know why, but I believe that what I'm about to play for you is the song The Bridge. Are you ready? I'm ready.
can see it's you know messed up and it's a it's an outtake of some sort yeah the reason why I think it might be the bridge is because it makes sense to me. That's de- it's definitely part of the bridge recordings. Seems like it should be the last song on the album, and it somehow connects the whole album for me. I was just listening to it. That's my theory. I liked it. I thought there was some potential there. I liked it too. He's clearly got none of it written. He's like, yeah, yeah, really, really basic stuff. In a way, it sounds a little like parts of Temptation or a Matter of Trust. Mm. really little but like you get to hear some elements but maybe that would have been good as the last song right because it could have tied all yeah. the elements of the album together in a nice little neat bow the bridge the bridge it bridges all the other songs i agree 100 percent. i'm gonna say that's the bridge the next song is the christmas song and folks dressed up like eskimos everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe will help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa. He did this song as a duet with Johnny Mathis in the album, Johnny Mathis album called Sending You a Little Christmas Album from 2013. And they sing together. Now, I did not know that Johnny Mathis was still alive. Oh, I was going to say, did he do this in the 80s or the 90s? 2013. Is he still alive today? He's still alive today. I had no idea. I was thinking of Nat King Cole. They're not the same person. No, I know, but I guess I, I you know, I, was, I don't know what Johnny Mathis sings, and I, 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 I wonder if he's the one that sings "Chances Are." I, uh, that's, I don't know what he sings, but yeah, they did it. He made an album of duets, and one of the songs of Christmas ones, and Billy Joel got to sing with uh, Johnny Mathis on this uh, one album, uh, the the classic Christmas song, I believe, written by Mel Torme. I think always some Jew writing a Christmas song. Oh, always. Uh, so the next song is called "The Good Life." Mm. I still want you And in case you wonder why Well, just wake up Kiss the good life Goodbye And this is a duet, another duet with Tony Bennett. It's off Tony Bennett's duets album called The Duets American Classic. Now, in this one, first of all, there's live video of them singing it live on the Today Show, the two of them, which is real fun. And they're like, Billy, you never come to the place live. You've been on the show before. You never come live. He goes, well, I did it for Tony, which is that, kind of really respect. cool. That's a sign of respect. Yeah. And the well, here's the other thing, Alon. The album, Tony Bennett Duets, American Classic. Guess who it's produced by? Phil Ramone. That's right. And in 2006, this was done. And there's a documentary where Billy and Phil are just sitting in chairs talking to each other. It's kind of funny that you don't get that in their documentaries. And here we are in this ridiculous documentary, and they're just sitting on chairs talking, which we could watch for an hour because it's so. And they're just he's going like, well, does Tony play any instruments? And Phil's like, uh, he was almost like, what the fuck is the matter with you? His voice is his instrument, dummy. <laughs> oh, all right, right, right. Yeah, sorry, sorry. It's really like that if you ever get to see it. It's really funny. He's like, <laughs> shut up. He doesn't play any instruments, all right? Hey, not everybody's you, jerk. Yeah. 
The next song is called Elegy, but the great Peconic. Have you heard of this? Well, yeah, I think we talked about it in the ease wrap up because of that elegy part. Did we? Because I don't remember. It's all, it's it's on the My Lives album, and it's off an album called Music of Hope by the London Philharmonic. Paul McCartney has a song on there too that he wrote for his wife called No. It's all instrumental, and it's really terrific. If we did talk about it, it's really great. I mean, it it is a complete soundtrack song, and if you love Billy Joel the way we do, boy, it just really shows you what an all-around artist musician he is. Billy just can do it all. Yeah, I remember that like this song sounds so good as like a, it's like a 90s movie soundtrack. If it was yeah. like the soundtrack to like Goodwill Hunting or Rudy, any kind of like Northeast college kind of view or like the leaves changing, this fits perfectly with. But but a lot what why not use that for the opening instead of the natural? It's a, you know, why not use your own you're using the Mexican connections. Why not use this song? It's very similar it's great and people would be excited oh it's you know this is uh and and, and of course the the Peconic, what's the Peconic named after it's named after Peconic bay where is that at suffolk county long island this you guy know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point he should use this as the opening it's his own music and people would be uh really into that yeah okay so there's another song called the moment at hand which again does not exist it is in the library of congress it was uh factored there in 1988 so i guess it was perhaps the stormfront album we're going to be in the -hmm. little transitionary period between the bridge and the stormfront the moment at hand it does not exist but it is registered the billy joel another one like that is called the purple heart which was registered in 1982 and we feel me and uh, my brain uh feel that it possibly became good night saigon yeah, right, because that title is military. Right. Then we have The Times, They Are a Change In, and that is off Kreplock. This song has been going around and around in my head since I've been here. 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 Since I've been And obviously that is a, it's a Bob Dylan song, right? Right. So it's a cover. And it's the final song of Kreplock. It's a like released song. Not, I don't care for it. I mean, it's a fine song. I just don't want it on a Billy Joel album. Yeah, maybe it was big in Russia. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's why you, you know, he goes. He, in fact, he says at the beginning, he goes, "I'm going to play this song because I feel like the times are changing here," and so that's why he played it. And you know, he loves Dylan. So yeah. then, of course, we have these rhinestone days which became I've Loved These Days. We've talked about that before. We've even had a trivia question on that, so it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. And the last one is the really interesting To Make You Feel My Love, which we have talked about already on this show. This is off Billy Joel's Greatest Hits, Volume 3. When the evening shadows and the stars appear The song is very popular. I've told you in one of the trivia questions that when people play this Bob Dylan song, they're playing when they cover it, and it's been covered so many times, they're playing the Billy Joel version 
because Billy Joel put it out first and then Bob Dylan put it out. It's the weirdest thing. I don't yeah, know. How I know. It, it makes no sense. And Billy Joel liked it so much. He played it on Letterman where there's a, you know, on Letterman where uh, uh, that's not the thing, but there's another video of it where Mark Rivera is on the harmonica. Oh, I didn't know he did that, but it's, it's a weird thing that's, uh, you know, he was so done. He has Billy, you know, the greatest hits volume three, which again, you have to question greatest hits really. And he does three covers instead of playing a new one. And you got that. Yeah. Hey girl, light as a breeze. And this, and this one, and this isn't bad because in a way it's a brand new song because Dylan hadn't recorded it yet, which again, makes no sense. But oh my God, then you're that guy that like, I'll just put on some covers. Exactly the same shit we were trying to talk against about that he was cool that he, you know, put on these two new songs and he wrote them specifically for the greatest hits. This Mm. is uh, that greatest hits three album is not good anyway. Yeah. Who needs it? Well, you know, if you had made a greatest hits three, that was actually if if you didn't call it greatest hits, you call it something else. And you just went in the after and just, you know, put. And a, a cohesive album together. I think it would be better. Again, the greatest hits one and two is bad because you're only playing the greatest hits. And the problem with Billy Joel is some of his greatest hits just weren't hits. So it ha- maybe it has scenes from an Italian restaurant, but it shouldn't. It was not a hit. That album's all Fakakta. Yeah. I thought you hated my lives. Now you're really ranking on these uh, <laughs> greatest yeah, hits albums. Because I wouldn't want to listen to greatest hits volume one and two in one sitting. I don't. I don't want to hear any of those songs. Or maybe I want to hear a couple, but it, the ones they have on there are questionable, and a lot of them weren't hits. That's why people should listen to the hidden gems playlist on Spotify if you can find it. I know it is hard to find. Still having trouble finding. I don't know why, and I apologize for my oldness. Yeah. So, Dave, that wraps up part one of our tease wrap-up. Oh, and my we, goodness. That is a long wrap-up. That was a marathon, folks. But we've still got 12 more songs in the tease, including a few more of those. That's right. So in the coming episodes, you'll hear songs like these. In the middle of the night, I go walking in my sleep. Through the desert of the truth, to the river so a face that we hide away forever and we take them out and show ourselves when everyone has gone so keep tuning in to more billy joel a to z every tuesday i'm dave Juskow. i'm alan altman and this is billy, billy joel, joel a to z, a to z.